electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We are live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to finish the trading week a half hour from now. You can see we are set up for a higher open. And our roadmap does start with that very fact. Uh, Stocks look to close out what's been a choppy week. Perhaps they will close out in the green. Plus, we're going to uh, round up some retail for you. Not looking so bad. Foot Locker, Gap, Williams-Sonoma, all reported. Interesting, man. Yeah. We have so much to talk about today. Good. I look forward to that. And we also will be talking about Visa's leadership transition. CEO Al Kelly and his successor, Ryan McInerney, uh, will join us right here at Post 9 in just a few minutes. All right. Let's start with the markets, though, looking to snap a two-day uh, losing streak this morning. Um, all right, you're here. Tell me what you think. All right, let me just tell you something. All right. Can I just say that we've had one of the biggest, most horrendous scandals of your and my lifetime, and, and it, it hasn't hit the market. It didn't really bother the market. Huge amount of money lost. A lot of our viewers' money lo- lost. A lot of people have money in the account, and they lost everything. A lot of people came on air and were, very, were proselytizing. And they were, um, they were like uh, Burt Lancaster and the Rainmaker. Uh, uh, the amount of chicanery that I've seen in the name of blockchain, like that somehow that blockchain is, you know, that is like, it, blockchain is like Dothan. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been extraordinary, the, the collapse of FTX only a week ago. Uh, those comments yesterday from the company's new CEO, the man who's been brought in there to help oversee us a restructuring, the bankruptcy, were unprecedented. Right, and yet, Saying in go, his opinion, he's never seen anything well, like him. This, like is guy, this is a guy who came in at from Enron. Enron. <laughs> yeah, Enron looks like a, very, like a blue chip. <laughs> Enron is like you know, a dividend. No. No, 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 but I'm saying this because we live in a, in a strange world. A bullish, something happened in November. One year, the bear, bears tend to last a year. I don't know. I mean, Yogi the Bear was on like, oh, like 50 years, but this guy seems to have really taken gas. And the reason what's most interesting, David, is the astounding losses in the face of endless, even after they lost money, they come on air and they tell you everything's great. David, I, I you know, you know but I, does look, it, I made does mistakes, it say but you, at Jim, least I, like, I that atoned. This is a segregated part of the market in a sense that it just, it's not, first of all, there, this was not a public company. This was right. not an Enron well, or a WorldCom, which had... At one point, market caps had exceeded $100 billion dollars or more. Was going, I mean, on going back a long time. Yeah, when they, when they collapsed as a result of fraud, period where we also saw Delphia go out and Tyco, uh, you know, that was, that was an impact to investor psychology that this might not be. Right? But do you remember when Madoff? Yeah. Out, the market got hit really bad. But even if you weren't in Madoff, now you'd say Madoff was stocks. Yeah, right? also Madoff was happening right during the financial crisis. Well, no, but I'm just saying that this is kind of like, like I'll ask people on the street, what do you think of Sam Bankman Freed? They say the same thing. It was like, wow, he did well. I mean, there's just no, 
I, I think maybe some of it is because of the regulators. Like, I would have thought, you know, of course, the usual congressional people got on the bandwagon. But there was, I mean, if I were the U.S. attorney of whatever U.S. attorney, I, I would say either they're out of my jurisdiction, there's nothing I can do. Or I would say, we ought to go after the edifice. Like, maybe the edifice isn't right. Yeah. I mean, to your you know, point, though, Jim, it's not done yet. There are no, still no. going so, to be impacts. Yeah, but the people are buying still- stuff. Closely watching any number of other exchanges. Well, we're going to have Visa on, um, right? And other crypto-related, yeah, other crypto-related companies because it's not done yet. There's still it's going to be years, years. But we care more about the flake in bankruptcy as for whether you know they'll ever mount a criminal case against Mr. Bankman-Fried. We'll see. Right. It certainly seems a possibility, but to your point, it's going to be awfully complex. Yeah. Well, I just think that I'm really caught referencing that. It, Applied Materials had good things to say yesterday in Palo Alto. And we're just not saying, well, I don't want to, yeah, I'm kind of nervous here. People are pulling back. No, we're like full bore bore. Well, should it be a, seen as a good sign that yes. the market has overlooked this Absolutely. collapse of this once it, thought to be crypto empire of FTX? It's a great sign. Because what it says is there's this whole alternate universe term to use that never really coincide, never really penetrated into our universe. And that's made it so that stocks look even better. Although, when we had uh, Gary Gensler on as the chairman of the agency, he did give it the impression that there was scrutiny. Obviously, the incredible paragraph from that, uh, the, the, the new person C. from FTX. Yeah, the, the new, new CEO. CEO. Yeah. Uh, basically, just like someone. I mean, did, you know, but then you have those large institutions, and you all figure that somebody must. I mean, maybe it's one of those, David, where it was like a clown car, and someone was driving, and they all said, oh, we're okay. I mean, David, those institutions are real, and they have lots of people who do due diligence. I mean, the, 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 the investors. investors in FTX. Right. And yeah. They're supposed to do due diligence. They are. And listen, to I mean, again, I, not to defend them per se, but if there is actual fraud, it can be hard to detect. Uh, absolutely. That said, you may start to say, well, do I really want to be involved with a company that doesn't, seem, doesn't have a board of directors, doesn't seem to have the internal controls that I might want. It doesn't give me the level of transparency or disclosure that I might want. Those all would all seem to be questions. MIT and uh, Jane Street. You can't answer MIT them. and Jane Street. Jane Street say, being perhaps the most rigorous hedge fund in the country. MIT being perhaps the most rigorous uh, mathematical institution in the country. Maybe Caltech. Right. And uh, maybe that's all you need. You know, it's on your resume. Right. And you figure, well, vetted by others. So let's just bring them in. No, I don't want to spend too much time on yeah, this. Yeah, let's, let's, um, in the, cause I'm just saying, we're going to get to, uh, the market being good. We're going to get to Al Kelly and his successor. So in the time we have, let's talk retail, because it's been a big oh, week. Oh, my, yes. For retail. Started with Walmart, good. Then right. followed by Target, Not bad. So and everybody trying to figure out the tone. You and I both came into this reporting period thinking that October, the end of October was weak. Right, and that's but true. No one disagrees Gap, with Williams-Sonoma. The Gap, um, I mean, the, Foot the, Locker, not bad. All Foot I Locker, mean, not a, pretty good. They were like, look, Williams-Sonoma, they weren't happy themselves. They talked about the economy being choppy. Uh, Foot Locker, Mary Dillon told a very good story this morning. And yep, she was good a, sec- on a secular Fox. growth story on Sneaker where she, she says. William Sonoma's uh, shares are going to be down. Laura Alpert, something right. you've it had could, oftentimes you know, was, on uh, Laura Alpert. Yeah, I mean, on, uh, it was choppy. They used that term. Ross Stores was incredible, um, and they're very non promotional, so that was very interesting to get such an incredible quarter from them. Gap was more, they, they seemed to not even believe themselves that there could be a term. Banana Public was good. Um, Old Navy was good. Gap was okay. But 
uh, international is very strong. So, I mean, gap, gap, gaps buy from the quarter. It's gap a buy. may be, well, gap is a turnaround, so to speak, in, in and of it, itself, it regardless of the economic conditions they, they around it. It had not been doing well. They have an interim CEO. Yeah. Interim CEOs are doing quite good this quarter. You know? Yeah. Uh, Bob Martin is the interim CEO. Yeah, who also works at Thor, right? He's the CEO of Thor. No, there's a yeah. company called... Well, the, I have any Thor number of... Here, here, I will let you choose. We can hear Bob Martin from Gap. We could hear uh, Mary Dillon on Squawk Box talking to Foot Locker. We could hear Laura Alba from her call in williams Sonoma. Well, what have, would you like? Well, because I know that we are in a visual medium, I will take Mary Dillon. Because she's the only one that's not a conference call, right? Okay. Are the rest just... Just That's correct. The others were conference calls. So we'll, well, take, let's see the actual we'll take Mary Dillon for 500. Yeah. My team delivered an amazing quarter, right? Strong results, better than expectations in a tough macro environment, right? But our customer proved to be very resilient. Our top line sales were up 3.3%. We exclude currency fluctuations. Uh, comps were up 0.8%. Foot Locker North America up high single digits. Why is that? Customers yeah. love the category. They love what we offer in terms of brands and what we do in our stores. All right. There you go. You got Mary Dillon. I thought those were all positive. Now, Nike obviously has been too influenced by China. Yes. But I've not heard, you know, Foot Locker's been uneven for a long time. And this was Mary, Mary Dillon at, at Ulta. She was, you know, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen. It's a really great get to have her. Uh, at Foot Locker, and I think she's going to turn it around. It's been not inconsistent. It's been bad. Yeah, well, the turnaround may already be underway. Uh, yeah, of course, oh, very impressive in that stock quarter. this morning. Very impressive. When, when we come back, we're going to be talking about a leadership transition at Visa. Al Kelly, he is passing the CEO baton, so to speak, to the company's president. That'll start in February. But both will join us right here today at Post Night. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. We have a treat here today, David. This man has been at the helm of the country's largest credit card network since 2016. But Al Kelly will soon step down as CEO. Longtime president Ryan McInerney is set to take over the role on February 1st. And the two join us now exclusively here at Post 9 this morning. Gentlemen, welcome. Great to be with you. Uh, Al, terrific. And Ryan, congratulations. Thanks, Jim. Okay. Um, Al, the, the numbers are quite extraordinary about what you've done. 
uh, grew revenue by over 90%, market value over 130%, employee base just checked 14,000, 26,000, in part because you've done so much business. Um, why now? I have to ask that because, you know, I, I have been close to you and think that you've been doing a dynamite job. Well, Jim, first of all, it's a team sport. I've had a great team around me, so th- those accomplishments are those of all of my colleagues. You know, I turn 65 next year, and I, many years ago I said to myself that if I'm lucky enough to be healthy and even in a great job, that that seems like a good milestone to go do some other things. And uh, there's many other interests I have, and uh, we're also at a time where we're blessed to have, for the first time in Visa's history, an internal person to succeed me. And uh, Ryan has been my partner for the last six years. Uh, he knows this business extraordinarily well. He's a phenomenal leader, and I, I'm so privileged to be able to turn the reins over to him in 90 days. Oh, so Ryan, I, I know Al had to be in as many countries there are in the globe, he would go to even 10 more. Uh, th- th- this is a job where you have touch, you have to touch. Are you ready to go all over the globe and deal with every bank? Because that's how you get three, three billion cardholders. Actually, up to $4 billion. Oh, I got and, the information. It said $3 billion. <laughs> and, you know, and Jim, like you said, it's a local business. It's a local business country by country around the world. And I've been traveling around the world for 10 years now, meeting with our teams. Uh, we have to be in market. You have to know how the business works, what our clients need, how the how the, the commerce is evolving in the market. And, yeah, that's where I plan to be, and that's where we get our best work done. Are you coming in at a time when a lot of people feel we could be on the verge of a recession, even though you see your spending numbers? Maybe that's uh, the Fed being too aggressive versus your, the, what you see. When we look out two, three, five, ten years, the opportunities are enormous. I mean, you look at the consumer commerce business around the world, there's still trillions and trillions of dollars of cash and checks spent every year. Look at business-to-business payments, person-to-person payments, government payments. I mean, we just see enormous opportunity to digitize those payment flows all around the world for years and years. Well, I, I do want to question, uh, you've got tremendous data, and there is, and Al, you might be able to get this, um, there's this notion that we had a goods economy and we switched to a service economy. There are a lot of people who can say that, but there's only one person who tell me it's true. Is it? Well, prior to the pandemic, we would be about 55% services, 45% goods, except for the six weeks of the holiday season every year where it would shift and goods would be higher than services. During the pandemic, it shifted as well, where we actually become became more of a goods economy during the pandemic. It has now shifted back. The shift back has begun, particularly as T&E has come back, raging back, I should say. And now we're about 50-50 goods and services, at least uh, in terms of what Visa sees. And I mean, every, you know, every economist and or market strategist that comes on rare wants to talk about credit card spend and what they're seeing. But you guys have uh, have the best view. So what what are the numbers telling you right now in terms of just the willingness of the consumers to spend overall, regardless of how? Boringly stable. Uh, it has been incredibly stable for uh, the better part of the last year. And we know that there's some inflation in the numbers. In some cases, people might be spending more on uh, food and less on uh, discretionary purchases. But in fact, they're spending the same amount and they're spending it in the same way using their their Visa card. 
we don't see the SKU level, level data, uh, David, but we, we know, for instance, when we look at uh, supermarkets, we're seeing the share of the more discounting supermarkets move up, whereas the share of the more premium supermarkets moving down. So we do know there is some uh, movement from, say, premium brands to generics. But in general, I think because consumer balance sheets, particularly in the U.S., remain strong and employment levels remain strong, I happen to be in the more optimistic camp about uh, about where we are and where we'll go. So you think this can continue into 23, that we're not going to see a significant dip and where the Fed's actions are not going to ultimately uh, dampen demand, so to speak? We'll have to see. I, I, I think, for, personally, if the Fed gets it right, which they may or may not, but if I think employment is a key number to watch. If employment levels stay at a decent level, I, I think that we'll, we'll have a fairly short and fairly shallow uh, downturn in the economy next year. But I'm, I'm watching those, inflation, uh, those employment numbers in a big way because people, if they, if they have a job, and there's so much pent-up demand after the pandemic. I mean, travel, what's happening, travel is incredible. And yeah. Although out near you in, in Silicon Valley, the jobs do seem to be going away. It may, Numbers-wise, it may be fairly small, although these are people who earn a lot of money. Yeah, we have to watch those trends for sure. But I think as I talk to other CEOs and companies, people are, are being careful, but I think largely still hiring. I mean, we're, we're certainly being careful, but we're still hiring. Uh, and we'll have to say, I, I think that... Uh, we can't dismiss an Amazon laying off 10,000 people as, a, as something to, to watch, but I don't necessarily consider that a bellwether at this stage. Brian, uh, I owned until recently some restaurants. And suddenly people, like, they wanted, if I, if I cash, they thought they should get a meal cheaper. They didn't want to use credit cards. I, I'd never seen it before, didn't expect it. Over 11 years that I owned a place, never saw it until the end. I mean, what's going on that people just feel like, you know what, cash should be king here, not credit card? Oh, Jim, we're seeing the opposite. I mean, coming out of the pandemic, cash has disappeared everywhere. I think one of the things that both buyers and sellers learned during the pandemic is, it, why do I want to take that cash out of my pocket? It's dirty. I might even get sick during the pandemic. And so what happened is sellers and buyers found the benefits of being able to tap your phone or tap your card right. and get in, get That's out. That's what I thought for heaven's sake. You know, great <laughs> reporting from my bank on my app. So I, I think cash was a big loser during the pandemic. And, you know, we've got great tailwinds coming out as it relates to digital payments all over the world. Okay. Brian, I'm sorry. I, you no. know, the Justice Department continues to investigate at least what they call potential dominant market share uh, in, in this business. Um, any updates on your expectations for when that investigation will end? No, no updates on that. Um, and, you know, all around the world, we're subject to regulations and we're constantly making sure that we're doing everything in regards to the law in every market that we do business. Uh you guys have a relationship with Coinbase. Uh, does what happened with FTX maybe give you pause? And I know that what typically happens, and I know you're not going to do this to me because I know you're too long. You're not going to say, but Jim, uh, we happen to think that there's great things with blockchain. Because you know I'm not talking about blockchain. I'm talking about people. And I think that some of the people who are in this business are too promotional and they've made people feel too secure. What's your advice to people who think, you know what, it is as good as money? Well, I think uh, we have to separate what I would call digital gold, the non-fiat-based crypto, which I just think is an investment category. We've been leaning into stable coins and central bank digital currencies. I hope one good thing that comes out of this FTX disaster for their investors and their employees is that we see an acceleration towards regulation right. and, and leaning into good 
stablecoin regulation, because I think that that is what's necessary to build back confidence for people. And we'll see over time. We, we are setting up for the reality of crypto potentially having a role in payments and, and money movement. You know, we don't pick winners and losers. We ultimately let the consumer and the experience decide. But we're creating on and off ramps for crypto players, putting Visa cards in wallets, being able to convert the stable coin to a fiat currency and be able to use their Visa card to shop anywhere they want to shop. We're even working on being able to settle with a merchant at the end of the day who wants to get settled in a stable coin versus settled in, in right. uh, currency. So we'll see what happens ov over time. But I, I hope this terrible event forces a more acceleration in regulation. But Ryan, to the extent this is going to evolve under your leadership in a significant way, when it comes to stable coins, for example, if Visa is offering it as an option, are we assuming, should the customer assume you've done the due diligence to make sure, for example, that everything in reserve is what they say it is? Yeah, let's, first of all, regulation's key. I think we can all agree on that. Hopefully it accelerates. We want to be involved in any way that people want to pay and be paid. And to the extent that stable coins are a great way to do that in a well-regulated environment and, you know, two businesses want to en engage in cross-border payments using stable coins, yeah, we want to be involved in that and we want to help. And we only get involved in things where our brand is going to ensure that people ensure that it's safe, it's secure, and it's also easy. Uh, one last question. I know they're, they're giving us the wrap. Yeah, we got it up. <clears throat> we have something that offline the CEOs talked to me about, never in the conference calls. We have the most... I'd say devastating theft problem this country's ever had. Theft problem. Theft. There's more stealing. I'm talking about billions. I'm talking about companies, many companies this week talking about billions of dollars in theft. What's your advice? Because these people, you know, people who are checking you out at the register, they're not, they're not designed to well, We saw the target them. numbers this week. I know. 400 million in the quarter. And what's your, can you do anything? Can you help these people, the, this, the, these great chains that are losing, can you, can you say, listen, we're not going, when this stuff is fenced on, uh, on Amazon, can you say we're not going to play, play, we're going to not let that happen, you can't use a credit card? Yeah, so two things. One is, again, back to your earlier question, David, we only want people to be able to use Visa cards to buy things that are legal, that are safe, and you know we do our best to do due diligence on that. And the other thing I would say is, you want to talk safe, get rid of cash out of your stores. Accept Visa cards, it's the safest way to pay. You never any risk of having any theft in your stores, no one breaking into your stores. It's the safest, best, easiest way to pay, and that's another great way that we can help. I'll also add that our, we invest a lot of money in risk models, and we stopped $27 billion of fraud just last year. So we are absolutely committed to continue to help the infrastructure and the ecosystem be as safe as it can be so people trust using it. Yeah. Um, one thing I think people are always trying to uh, figure out, what's Visa's relationship with MasterCard? I mean, is it Harvard, Yale? Is it Army, Navy? I mean, how would you describe it? Well, two of the people who reached out to me last evening were Ajay and, and Michael. Uh, I mean, the, the CEO, CEO, former CEO, CEO of MasterCard. MasterCard. Look, uh, they're a very formidable competitor. Uh, but there's a lot of things in this ecosystem in terms of interoperability and those kinds of things where we, we do have to make sure that we're cooperating with one another because the reality is we're the big players and we want to make sure that the system works for everybody. But we're obviously fierce competitors as well. But okay. just, you know, the, the other thing I'd say is we have competitors all around the world. Right. right? It's not just MasterCard. Yeah. They're coming at us from every way, and that makes us better. All right. We're better because great competition. Yeah, I just want to know what, which league are you going to be commissioner of? 
I don't know yet. All right. <laughs> Let's stay tuned then. I want to thank Alan Ryan. Really, guys, congratulations. In fact, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Welcome to the street. Thanks, thank guys. You. Thank you very much, guys. Okay. We'll be right back right after this. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Celebrating its listing via SPAC. We're going to speak to the dating app CEO about an hour from now over at the NASDAQ, it is the Siren ETF Trust. Uh, big crowd here. Big crowd for, uh, for this company. Announced the SPAC deal in May and is now going public. Uh, 98% redemptions. Well, that's not so a great that, way to start, okay, so but a lot of enthusiasm. That, that means a lot of the money that they hope to raise. Almost all of the money that they hope to raise in the trust, the cash in the trust from the $10 that everybody paid right. for their share. Everybody wanted their $10 back, leaving virtually no money. So in this bell ring, people should understand, they do not raise money on this bell ring. They're not raising a lot now. There is a, There was some other money being raised associated with it. So we'll talk to the CEO and find exactly how much capital they are starting their life as a pure public company with. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, beyond that, as we get started here with trading for uh, the last day of the week, um, you know, we haven't, as you see, of course, uh, we're up across the uh, board. We haven't talked as much about oil lately, Jim. You were noting it yesterday, if I recall, at least I think you tweeted it's, once. It's been collapsing. Oil has been, yes. It's it been collapsing. And, and look what's going on even today. There, it takes out. This is, uh, in the 70s is where a lot of the big dividends of the stocks that I like, the independents, will begin to be reevaluated. Uh, but this is something that it's questionable whether the president, they should still be pumping from the S for the student petroleum reserve. Prices have started to come down year, over year over year, still not great. But I think we have to recognize that uh, th- these are quite intense declines. Uh, you know, a Chevron down $4.30 is not to be taken without oh. I know, 78 bucks. All right. But that would seem to be a reflection of expectations of a lack of economic growth. Right, right. Although uh, it should be of what I saw Mary Barr introduce yesterday, which is the possibility of a, maybe a million EVs in 2025. I, heard, I thought the lineup was gorgeous. You think we're really going to start discounting oil prices as a result it, of it, EVs? We will. No, At some point, we will. I no, just don't yet. think we're there yet. But, I mean, I just think she could increase the dividend. I think she's got a great earnings earnings power. There's a lot that could go right with GM. And this notion that there is an existential crisis, that you can't cross over to electric, is kind of funny given the fact of what you just said, which is that we're still, I guess, we're, we're a fossil fuel-based country. We are, although every year there are going to be, as I mean, Mary Barr is talking to a lot more EVs on the road, and, and over really, time there will be less demand um, for, for gasoline. For ice. For internal combustion engines. Yeah, there will be, without a doubt. Not, not yet. These are down. This is more of a reflection of a belief of what you spoke about with uh, with Al Kelly and Ryan McInerney, which is, are we at a, slow, a point of the slowdown that where the Fed is actually maybe 
playing too much of a role. Want to listen to what Mary Barr told you? I very much so. All right, let's do that. When we live through what we've done over, with supply chain over the last few years, specifically with semiconductors, we recognize we needed to have a more of an onshore or ally shore supply chain. We were working on that. To achieve that million unit uh, EV target that we have, or our, um, our plan for 2025, we have already secured all the battery raw materials that we need, and these are uh, binding agreements. So we're ready to go. That was very impressive. And by the way, in terms of supply chain, maybe the most important call last night was Gary Dickerson, Applied Materials, which ma- makes the equipment where, uh, that had also been held up because they couldn't get the semis. So you have the company that makes the semis is actually getting the semis. We are beginning to see, David, the end of that particular part of the economy being uh, a roadblock, which should mean that we're going to see a lot more cars, which should mean that the price of cars goes lower. And I just hope the Fed recognizes these things. You know, you've got to be granular when you're looking at this stuff. You can't, you can't just say, wow, look at these aggregate figures. You've got to say, wow, you know what? I would just heard Mary Barra. They could have a lot more semis. Jim Farley, a lot more semis. Applied materials, a lot more semis. That, and then you couple that with the fact that plastic, where there have been so many problems, paper, there have been so many, surfactants. And you can start seeing why someone might want up to buy a Procter & Gamble, for right. instance. Uh, although, can, I want to ban a term. Procter & Gamble saying the growth algorithm is okay. Can we just say, get rid of algorithm? That should be the growth path. Like, when did it become algorithm? At what point did our business become so full of itself that we actually use terms that make it sound like there's a certainty? Everybody, everybody. I mean, it's everybody introduces these ridiculous words. My, uh, my favorite when it comes to our business or the hedge fund world or everything, the drawdown. The drawdown. Yes. Which actually just means the stock fell and you made a bad decision. But no, it's a drawdown. It was beyond your ability to control right, it. Was it. A it was drawn down. Well, David, risk yes. off is another one of those stupid ones. That means it's a little more dangerous. See, risk I off know. is designed to make it sound like you sm- sound smarter than the viewer. I have never felt that sounding smarter than the viewer is one of the goals I'm trying to attain. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, let's talk retail again because we hit it at the top of the show, but briefly. And, you know, again, it's been an interesting week with Walmart gaining a great deal. You can see Ross Stores is the top of the S&P gainers this morning. Energy, as you might expect, is, uh, uh, is the, amongst the laggards. But you had Ross Stores, you had Gap, we had Williams-Sonoma, which was looking down in the pre-market, and I assume it's down it's now. It's down a lot. It's down a lot. Uh, Foot Locker, we already heard from Mary Dillon. Target earlier this week, still not up. I see it down about 30 cents. Um, you know, we're heading into Christmas. Well, it's important. I think that uh, you heard from Al Kelly there saying kind of things are fine. Well, there's a downgrade. are not seeing a change in spend. Downgrade of restoration hardware today. Too many sales. Talk about sales beyond. And so we were talking, I was going back and forth with Joe Kernan about are the rich slowing down? Well, RH is a place where, where things are expensive. And uh, I will say without a doubt that perhaps I was too glib when I said that the rich are, you know, the rich are fine. Because RH numbers would indicate that, this webbush downgrade, that you know what? There's a little more to it than that. Maybe the rich are slowing down too. Yeah, um, they can. And there was, as, as we are noting here on the screen, a downgrade of, of uh, RH, restoration hardware, to a neutral, saying market share losses are driving what they say is a course correction. Uh, even though the company has a, avoided broad promotions, it appears to be course correcting 
as they say, they surprisingly found that it's reduced prices by 2 to 9 percent since March on half of the products in their price study. Uh, as you set, take a look at the stock. But you're, I mean, you've been a believer in this name, right? Very much so, and I think that they make great product. However, nobody's immune to a slowdown. Uh, William Sonoma talking that things were choppy, not immune to a slowdown. Jeff, Jeff Gannett, uh, a little bit more, um, I'd say, nuanced. Uh, he didn't want to get caught into this stuff where, oh, last week was bad, this week's still, oh, now it's cold, I'll have a good day. Uh, he's changed the stores. He's got the stores to be more attractive. The first thing he did was t- attack the balance sheet. He fixed the balance sheet. He's in really great shape. I don't know how the stock is at 20. It just doesn't make any sense. The stock is like 5, 6. This has to do with the whole re-multiplying. I should come up with my own term to fool people. That why is Macy's valued at so little and software comp, enterprise software being valued at so much, even though there's so many enterprise software companies and they really don't make any money? Yeah. Do you ever look at what those companies are valued at still? I do. Even well, after the, still? I mean, you're talking about 50, 60, 70% off what they were. Right, but a lot of, of the them stock. do the same thing. They, they analyze your data and they keep it safe. Now, you want to know who keeps your data safe? There's got to be Palo a lot of Alto Networks, P-A-N-W. Yeah. Soup the nuts. That was one of the best quarters I have heard in 2022. Nikesh Aurora. Uh, yes, I know you've been a fan of his. I am and a fan he, of he has been. He's delivered. Well, that's why. Yes. See, I'm not a fan of the, uh, let's say, the teams that are that have won a lot. I know. I those, know. Those are, I'm less fan, less, less of a fanboy for that. Um, Jim, I got a couple of things from yesterday from uh, both my interview with John Malone and Greg Maffei. I love let's, that. Let's start with, uh, I, did you want to try and get Taylor Swift tickets? Did you have all any right, interest? So my, okay, so my wife said, if, do you have any power at all? Do you have any power at all? Can you do anything in that stupid job of yours? I said, no, I have no power to get tickets. I don't. I don't. She didn't call it stupid. Um, but Ticket I can't, I can't is get owned tickets. by Live Nation, 30% roughly. I know the guy. I was tempted to call him. Liberty Media. They have a tracking stock uh, as well. Um, and we did talk to Greg Maffei yesterday. It just turned out that obviously the interview was the same day. By the way, now Ticketmaster just saying we're done. It's fantastic. We're done. We're sold out. We have no more tickets for you. If there's anything left, they'll figure it out on your own. But I here's know. what Maffei told me yesterday. It's kind of like FTX. In terms of the like demand. Kind of like FTX. You know, same deal. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't make any friends. Uh, this clip has been shared. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands no, of times. They're Take an honest listen. company. Take they're a, a good company. This is a different t- entertainer. Okay. The site was supposed to be opened up for 1.5 million verified Taylor Swift fans. Uh, we had 14 million people hit the site, including bots, another story, which are not supposed to be there. And despite all the challenges and the breakdowns, we did sell over 2 million tickets that day. We could have filled 900 stadiums. So though AOC may not like every element of our business. Interestingly, AEG, our competitor, who is the promoter for Taylor Swift, chose to use us because we are, the, in reality, the largest and most effective ticket seller in the world. Of course, many of the critics say you're the only ticket seller in the world, well, and that's well, why you're not doing as good a job as you Visa, should. Visa, I mean, a couple of their, their, their t- Yes, monopolies. Right, well, yeah, okay, well, oligopoly. Can I just say that there are certain, there's certain talent out there that transcend the process of getting tickets. I mean, how, what are they supposed to do? I mean, this is a one, the one talent that just is the most popular in the world. What are you going to do? How about Celebrator? 
Ask her, to, ask her to do more concerts? She is an incredible business you person. See, you see her? I've never seen her, um, and I don't anticipate I will. Uh, I have a daughter who was hoping to, but that doesn't appear it's likely to happen. Um, Jim uh, also spoke to Malone, of course, as you know. Uh, and, you know, if you want to see the full interview, it's available on CNBC.com. But something I didn't use yesterday, uh, you know, we talk so often about streaming, usually in light of Netflix, right. what's happening there, but obviously Disney and direct-to-consumer, our own parent company with its Peacock service, Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, and what will be a combined offering from them at some point of Discovery Plus right. and HBO Max. But I thought Malone's comments about Paramount and the possibility for creating some rationality amongst the streamers were worth taking a listen to. So let's listen to what Malone had to say about Paramount, its owner, Sherry Redstone, or its control shareholder, Sherry Redstone. Probably the one that would be under the most pressure to do something would be Sherry. Uh, simply, you know, she's to get scale, she doesn't have the balance sheet to get scale, and she's running at pretty high leverage right now. And I think the dividend uh, needs are still pretty strong. So maybe at some point here, Sherry uh, wants to do something with somebody else. Of course, that's been a long-running uh, possibility, the idea of creating scale, perhaps Paramount and even NBCU. That's been discussed. Unclear that there's anything going on if right now. Actually, briefly saw her last night uh, because she was, thank you, Sherry Redstone. She was the honoree uh, uh, at the uh, annual uh, Community to Protect Journalists Gala, oh. um, which is an incredible organization right. and uh, raises a great deal of money. And this is, by the, by the way, worst time for journalists. I mean, oh we sit my. here. There are real journalists out there risking their lives every day, Jim. Oh, no. I mean, I have, I have someone in my family who's involved in uh, frontline Ukraine. Frontline Ukraine. People don't realize. Yeah. Uh, it's the bravery and courage uh, yeah. of those journalists. But, David, let's go back. It's I mean, when two, right. yeah. when two publishing companies try to merge. Yes. Simon & Schuster and uh, Penguin? Random House. Yeah. Random House. They blocked that. The yeah. That's true. The government blocked that. Now, I could argue that those two should get together in order to be able to make it so that there's still scale in the book publishing business. Yes. But the government clearly didn't feel that way. No. So what would happen if, if Paramount tried to merge with, say, uh, Disney? It's a, it's a great question, and it's very much unclear what the government will allow. And that, that goes for any of these possible combinations right. that people like to discuss uh, all the time. Uh, yeah. If... You know, would the government ever, by the way, in our interview, I mean, he brought up the idea, would Comcast and Charter ever be able to get together, right? Comcast obviously tried once to buy Time Warner Cable, right. which is what a lot of the Charter assets now are, because Charter came in and bought it. Right. Would that ever be allowed to happen? Could you bring together, if you were to bring together an NBCU and a Paramount, for example, well, you'd obviously have to get rid of CBS and the O&Os. Um, and then figure something How else out. How about the guys just would it even still be enough scale? trying to do their deal yeah, with Kroger? You know, we'll, we'll have these conversations, and we'll see at some point something may very well occur because there is a belief that you do need... This business is not that profitable. But, but David, but Malone, I, I'm going to ask you point blank. This industry, the media industry, is considered to be a has-been these days. Yes. The court. Yes. Uh, I, John, well, I'm sorry to mention it. Your son, cord? No, right. uh, no, no cord. Yeah. yeah, my kids like cord. No, I mean umbilical cord. Yeah, I mean you know, uh, what what happens? 
what happens is what you're saying. Well, it's not I mean, coal. First We're of all, their, cold, their primary we? connection is with this device. But, but can't we doubt. make that to be our five? And then they have all sorts of services. By the way, most of our kids are operating on our service. Our, you know, I'm paying the bills still for their direct to consumer, but that's what it is. But now, I the want question you the fourth becomes, quarter some game the because it's my fantasy about, about sports, and we talked a lot right, about that. That's sports why I think that that's why we don't have been the glue that holds the bubble together. We're not dead sports, right? And so the question becomes, where does sports ultimately live? Will Amazon buy more? Will Apple buy more? I mean, Amazon, or, last night, the Amazon's Kirk Herbstreit. How was the game last night? I didn't. Very exciting game. Was the, it? Yeah, the, the Green Bay's not nearly as good as I. I mean, Green Bay, so I thought So Al Michaels be, wasn't as upset as he has been typically with the level of competition? Uh, no, this was a very good game. Good. And, and the Titans were fabulous. Last week, last, the week before, was terrible. But, um, David, I, I keep thinking, if David Zaslav keeps talking about how great the NBA is, well, NBA in 2025, that contract's up. So yeah, if I'm Amazon, if I'm Andy Jassy, I'm just okay, I'm right important one to watch. We never actually got to Jassy and his note to, to uh, about the eliminations at Amazon. But you know what, Jim? We got to get to Bob Pisani right now because sure. uh, we want to get sort of more on a market. We're coming off our highs, but we're still up over half a percent, Bob. Yeah, and not bad open, actually. A lot of relief on the retail front. So let's take a look at the sectors that's moving today. And uh, the retail, XRT, which is the one you want to watch, it's the retail ETF, doing very well today because we got some relief uh, on the earnings front uh, from a number of retailers. But ARK Innovation, always a good sign of risk on, risk off. Up, Semi's another good sign of risk on, risk off. Up, Uh, Energy, which, by the way, hit a new high uh, earlier the week. Uh, down a couple of days as oil uh, has been moving down the last few days. Let's just show you the retailers here. Uh, And again, very good overall commentary from uh, the big three that reported over the uh, uh, in the last 24 hours. So Foot Locker cited strong momentum, raised their guidance, Ross stores. Uh, had a beat. Uh, they raised their guidance as well. Gap uh, basically beat on all of the comps, uh, the margins and the EPS. That was a little bit of a surprise. People were expecting things to sort of fall apart, and they haven't. So you see what's going on here today. Foot Locker was great. Foot Locker is positive for the year, believe it or not. Ross Stores is positive for the year. Uh, Walmart is now positive for the year. Remember, S&P's down 16%. Williams-Sonoma was a disappointment. Uh, they cited macro uncertainty. Uh, they declined to provide any uh, guidance. So uh, that stock is trading to the downside. Uh, And we're not out of the woods. There's obviously a lot of concerns. This inventory issue just keeps popping up. Uh, Raw store cited very promotional holiday selling season. Gap talked about an increasingly promotional environment. This is sort of de rigueur now uh, as a retailer. But this is sort of priced into the stocks already. The key thing is, are they going to keep dropping the earnings estimates? It's just been a disastrous year for retailers. In the third quarter, uh, there's the S&P 500, but it, put up the next full screen. In, in third quarter, their earnings were down 9.3% for the retailers year over year. In a quarter where the overall earnings for the S&P were up, this quarter, 41, they, they've cut earnings 41% compared to the same period last year. And the question was, after what we heard from uh, from Target, were they going to cut it another 10, 15, 20%? I think the chances of that happening are a little less likely given what we've heard in the last 24 hours. So maybe the retail apocalypse will be put off. As for where we are right now, look at that chart. That's the last month. We're up 10% for the S&P 500 in the last month. We're up uh, maybe 3% uh, in the month of November. So the trend is definitely up. Uh, the Fed and inflation are the biggest risk to sc- stocks. And 
that seems to be receding a little bit, that concern. Some comments from Bullard notwithstanding here. Uh, keep in mind, we've had some great moves up in some uh, very interesting sectors. So let me show you some of the leadership stocks in the last month. This is since the middle of October. Boeing's had a great month. That's been a big mover for the Dow Industrials. NVIDIA is up 16% in the last 30 days. Uh, material names generally are rallying. This is partly on the China reopening story. So Freeport McMoran's been strong. And financials generally are outperforming. So Goldman's had a really great month. This is, again, 30 days. So, David, we're not out of the woods. We need a lot more meat on the bones for this inflation receding story. But I think people are looking at that a lot more than Bullard's you know, imaginary scenario of what might happen. Uh, I, I think the, the key story is the market's starting to act like if, if we don't have a serious recession, at least it's going to be a modest one. That's what the market seems to be pricing in. David, back to you. Yeah, yeah. Certainly been hearing that a good deal. Uh, leads us to the bond market, uh, Bob, as well, which is always worth taking a look at, particularly as it may reflect those same expectations. Let's give you a quick look. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Bond report. Um, two tens, right, Jim? Two tens. Sup, Ed? No, spread's tightening a lot. Uh, as you take a look, of course, the tenure well below. What was the one we were above four? That's why I tell you, the two years such a great piece of paper. Yeah, oh my and God. Uh, that two years still hovering. Still, not just far. a great piece of paper. Four and a half percent you still get for two years. That's right. Take it, right? You sold some houses. You sold some houses? Look at that. Oh, we're going to have more on that after the break. <laughs> Show goes by so fast, doesn't yep. it? Now, what do you got on Mad tonight? Northern oil and gas, there was an actual fight here about who runs a company. And it went from being a not great company to being something that's very exciting to me. Oil's down a lot. Yes. It's focused. And then a company that I just think people have to pay attention to called Bolero. You love this Bolero. I do because I love the bull. And I think Bolero's doing this giant roll-up of the bowling alleys. And once they get them, they fix them. And it's kind of an exciting story. Angelakis is on the board of exactly. that. Exactly. And he, you know he's a very rigorous fellow. He is. He is. He used to be the CFO of the company we work for. Yes, he was CFO of Comcast. Have a great weekend. You too. You too, buddy. All right. I'll see you Monday. All right. Okay. Very good. When we come back right here, an exclusive with Boston Fed President Susan Collins. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 